This week's podcast, I'm talking to Sue about understanding self-harm, finding, discovering and empowering women through their life journeys. I'm Linda Koshfara and I'm with Sue, our resident counsellor. Hi, hi Sue, and how are you? I'm well, thank you very much. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Good, enjoying the sunshine. It, I am, very much so. Very, very hot. Right, I think... Um, I'm going to start by asking you a question this I know. week, if that's okay. Roll reversal here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're talking about self-harm. So I'd like to maybe, if you could tell me what you understand self-harm okay. to be. Um, my uh, understanding of self-harm is from my own experience. Um, I don't think I've actually met many people who have actually been part of it. So I feel like it's my own lonely experience and I'm mm. a, a little bit ashamed about it, quite frankly. So that's why I haven't spoken about it. Um, following my... Um, um, child abuse and um, sexual abuse that, um, which I was suffering from at the age from age 3 to 16, 17 um, this particular instance when I was 16 I um, had had enough of everything of being living, being alone being by myself, being looked after by a cook or a, a driver to take me around there was no one uh, no love no affection from either of the parents they weren't immediately available they loved me and they told me that but they weren't available um also I couldn't tell anyone about the abuse because I was told I, I, I felt they won't they won't believe me mm-hmm. um, and I felt like my I was backed against a corner like I was trapped and I felt I needed to do something to release this stress um, being in Pakistan was very it's a place where you can't get a drink easily so you know I, I wasn't even aware of the drinking or I didn't hadn't had any many drinks by then um, or smoking because something that's what you will go for if you are stressed maybe or you go and do some weird stuff out there you know whatever you mm. cases it, the environment I was in that wasn't available for me to do any of that so one evening I remember getting a blade and I don't know what inspired me or what influenced me to do this. I don't know. I, I can't remember that. But I remember sitting on the floor and I remember crying and I remember coming back from my tuition from this guy who had kissed me in such a bad way and I didn't stand up and tell him off, which I should have, and I get very angry when, even now when I say it. And I, I just got my... Oh, I don't even think it was my dad's. I think it was just shaving uh, blades, the old-fashioned ones. Yes. You know, the little tiny silver ones, Mm. and it's very thin ones. So I I remember I knew enough that it should be clean because I didn't want to give myself a disease. I I didn't want to kill myself. That wasn't the case at all. So I didn't go for areas. I wasn't even aware what I needed to do to Mm. do that. I didn't want to die, but I wanted to do something that made me feel happier or release. It released, the word release comes to me a lot. So I... I just cut myself in a few places on my arm and the marks are still there. Um, and that, as the blood trickled down, I felt really good. Yeah. And then uh, as a consequence, I kind of gathered the blood in a little pot and wrote a letter to my mum. Wow. So and I, I, that wasn't my plan. That was not my plan. I didn't even think that I'm going to write a letter. I was just so upset with what was going on. I remember crying and just repeatedly cutting myself and it felt good and I just became like I felt like it's fine I don't need anyone I'm gonna be fine I don't need anyone I, I'm, I'm I can do this myself you know um literally the whole night went and I, I then wrote a letter with that with that blood and as a result she came but what she never asked me about was why did I do that mm. um to this day no one's actually spoken to me about it 
The how, how did you get into this? How often do you do it? No one. So nobody's spoken nobody to Nobody has you spoken something. to me. I think this is the first time I've ever openly spoken about it. And when you mentioned about last week that we we're going to talk about this, I was worried because I didn't know how to explain it even and why I did that because I don't know. I literally don't know. Um, but I'm really interesting, interesting in hearing how did I get to that and what makes our brain mm. actually take us to where, where I was in that place. Yeah, absolutely. We can cut it, so I'll, I'll put down um, cut from 4.50 to 5.10. Okay, before we go any further, I just need to check in with you that you are okay if this is the first time that you have spoken yeah, about that. I'm fine. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Um, yeah. So at any time it becomes too much, then we will stop. Okay. Okay. Um, right, so yeah, really interested to hear... A a couple of comments that you've made about you know the fact that it, it felt like a release you were talking about it as yeah. a release um but also that not knowing why you know doing it and understanding and it's almost like it felt like you know I, I, I needed I know I needed to take this I know I needed to to, to cause you know cut self-harm, myself yeah. self-harm but not actually knowing why um and I wondered if it would surprise you and I know we have briefly mentioned this about um the fact that actually it's partly to do with your physiology as to why it felt good. The fact that actually your brain, part of your brain had taken over your, your very primitive part of your brain that was looking after you at that time. Um, and actually part of its function is to produce opioids so that actually that action did feel good for you. And what are opioids? Opioids are, are sort of feel-good um, hormones. Hormones, okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a way of protecting you, which it sounds very strange. Um, but what I will do is uh, recently I attended um, a workshop okay. run by a lady called Carolyn Spring okay. um, and her company is called PODS, um, Positive Outcomes for Dissociative Survivors. Um, but what she's very good at doing is taking a lot of information and bringing it to, into a format that people can understand. That's her aim, is to have complicated information made simple. Um, and one of the things I've come back with is a what's called um, a vicious cycle of self-harm. But we're looking, it's looking at self-harm as not a cry for help, you know, or, sorry, well, as a cry for help, not, not attention-seeking. Um, it's, it's a symptom. And what this is a symptom of is distress. We are in distress. Um, and that, whatever that could be, and obviously in your instance, it was the fact that you'd come back and that teacher had triggered you regarding your abuse. Mm-hmm. Okay, and being in a position where you weren't able to fight or flight, you, you, you because of your previous experience, your body had just said, well, you know, you've got to take this because otherwise you, know, you, you could be harmed. Um, but when it's over, it, it's that distress at what happened to you. Um, and you were saying, that, you know, the fact that you, you felt, I should have been able to do something about it, which again adds to that distress. 
when we're in that distressed position, um, in an ideal situation, we would we would seek soothing and we would find somebody to soothe it for us. So we, we, we're in distress, as, as a child we're in distress, so the, you know, we would go to our parent, our parent and, and, and they would, we would be able to tell them about <coughs> it, we would be able to soothe, which would then bring our distress down. Okay, when we can't do that, when there is no soothing, there's a failure to soothe, um, that in itself will increase the stress because it's that I can't soothe myself, I can't, I can't bring this anxiety down, what, you know, and the thoughts might be going through my head, well, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me, mm. which then adds even more, okay, and it gets to that point where it becomes too overwhelming, we, we can't cope with that, so what do we, it's, it's finding, and as you said, it's finding a release for that stress. It is, yeah. Um, and that's where things, that's where self-harm comes in. Um, it's things like, the relational contact, you know, that, that contact with other people to, to help reduce the stress is so important. So when it doesn't happen, um, we may find ways of being with people. So, you know, sort of things like alcohol, drugs, um, in a way that, you know, they're, they're sort of classified as self-harm as well. But it's that way yeah, of... Yeah, you're right. Of getting, yeah, I never thought of that, yeah. Getting to be with people, um, and generally very similar sort of people, so very, very distressed yeah. people altogether. Um, and with drugs, if you think about it, how how do you you inject drugs? You you know yeah, again, you're harming. That, you're harming yourself. Um, so yeah, it, it's that. And by harming ourselves again, what we do is our body then is being stressed even more. It, it's it's going, oh my goodness, yes, physical uh, stress, as physical well, yeah. stress. Uh, so oh, so that 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 threat that I perceived was happening to me is happening to me. Because what's happening with your brain as well is it's it's the thinking part has gone offline. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the parts of your brain are not actually understanding that it's me that's doing the harm to myself. It just sees my body is under threat. My it's body an out is of body harmed. experience. Yeah, because I still can't associate. I'm like, who, wait, is that you who did that? Is that you who did that? Because you're sensible. You wouldn't. You wouldn't do this to yourself. And I keep saying that over and over, even now when I'm talking, I'm thinking, what, what did you do, what did it, why couldn't you just make a call? Maybe I did make a call and nothing happened. Absolutely. But but also, again, you see your brain goes offline, so you you lose the ability to do things like make phone calls. Um, Also, it it doesn't have an idea of time, okay, so what's happening to you, it doesn't know that it's happening in the near, here and now. It may be thinking of what, when it happened in the past. Right. Okay, so... When you were being abused in the past and the feelings and the emotions that went along with that, it doesn't realise that actually that was then and this is now. No. Okay. So if you were being hurt then, it's that right. So I need I need to be hurting. Um, so if you know, say, you know, if you have physical abuse. So you do that physical abuse to yourself because your brain's going, oh, so the thing that comes next is physical abuse. Mm, you say, right. and because you say you're detached, which is just dissociating, you're not realising, yeah. you're not perceiving. So it is all these, you're, as I say, so much of your rational brain has gone offline because okay. it's just solely connected with keeping you alive, alive. which sounds really contra. Dictry in the you know with the cutting, but you're not because as you said you're not. You're not you're I not wasn't cu- gonna kill myself. Generally, no. self harm is not cutting to no. kill. No, um, it's 
yeah it, it's about it was about release it's, it, it was release. about for me it was that yeah and that's that dissociative state and once okay. we're in that dissociative state that's when those opioids are released as well okay and that's why it's maybe a little bit addictive to do that because right well when i get distressed and i can't find any release from that distress what i do is cut because actually that that makes me feel good because the body's going right i'm i'm in dissociation um, and part of dissociation is freeze, so mm-hmm. you lose that ability to fight and flight and you just go into freeze mode. Um, the compensation of going into freeze mode physiologically is to have the opioids. I see. Okay. It's, it, it, it'll, it's that, this will get me through, it'll be alright, I'll get through this. Um, and then, yeah, so that's why it can build up into that addictive cycle. Uh, repeated. Repeated. Yeah. Um, when we come out of that dissociative, so once we realise what we're doing, once we, we come back and we, we perceive maybe the, that distress has been released a little bit by mm-hmm. cutting, um, we still log that event as dangerous. Okay, so we still log that distress, whatever triggered us as being dangerous. Okay. Okay. And our level of sensitivity drops. Okay, so something like she said you came back from that situation so if you're ever in that situation again doesn't matter if he doesn't come up and touch you you will be you'll perceive it as danger straight away yes okay, so he may not come back and touch you again but or or somebody else or you're in another situation um where it's feeling similar maybe you know there's that power i feel like i can detect it from a mile yeah and Absolutely. that's most men I feel like that yeah. and that's why my relationships are difficult. Yeah. So I feel Yeah. Because because of that. Yeah. Okay. So your baseline is really low. Mm. It's, it's the threshold that somebody will if they just need to do something and whoa I'm right. Yeah. You know, that's the alarm. So that's why it just goes round and round in a vicious circle. Okay. And why maybe people find that they're cutting more and more and they're thinking, Well, you know, last time it was it felt like a major incident, this doesn't feel like something particularly big happened to me but still I'm, I'm, I'm damaging I'm, mm. I'm doing something to myself it's because your brain's gone right well that was very distressing we never want to be in that position again right so I better make myself really hypersensitive oh I okay. see well, a lot of the symptoms that are associated with self-harm are part of or similar to a trauma situation okay okay your body goes into trauma um, so very similar things will happen that hypersensitivity, um, the limbic system online, the thinking system offline. Okay. So... What would examples of trauma, any kind of trauma? Any kind of trauma, yeah. It, it, it's, a traumatic, it's a traumatic response. It's, it's the traumatic response for the brain. Um, when, we, when we experience any danger, it's always our limbic, our very primitive brain that comes online to look after us. And that brain is also very emotional, so it's very sensitive to feelings. Um, so when, again, as you say, when we come out of the trauma, um, that's why we suddenly feel, oh, why, why am I so sensitive now? Why, why am I? It's because your brain is on hyper alert, your limbic system's on hyper alert. It's experienced this, therefore I've banked that knowledge and I don't want to be in that position again. So therefore I will look out for that. And again, it has no idea of concept of time. Okay. Okay, so you, you could have been traumatised as a child and, you know, and you're still feeling those effects when you're 70, 80. It doesn't have any timeline. 
it will just go right this feels the same as it did mm -hmm. I need to do something about it wow the understanding <clears throat> we understand what's happening for ourselves and we can well, feel that and as you say sometimes we feel it in our body we don't feel it in our head it's the mm -hmm. body reacting to it um, so it's very important to if you can if before you, when you are thinking of the self-harm is is to so what are the reactions what are my body reactions beforehand because then that'll help you go oh right okay I'm feeling that in my stomach or I'm feeling I'm, I can right, my, my fists are clenched right, what's happening here and what that allows is that thinking brain that gives you that thinking time those few seconds for your brain to come back online for you to understand what's going on and that okay. maybe you might back away from what you're you may back away but what it's also doing is because when you it, that soothing section is really really important if, if you can find soothing would that mean sharing with someone that sharing you're about with to somebody or this how you feel yeah, yeah just just finding that person you know just being able to to know right when I feel like this I just need to have a phone call or I just need to call somebody um, so it's all about planning ahead maybe so it could be right well I'm feeling like this I'm going to press this this number on my phone and I want that person to say to me are you okay are you okay are you okay just to bring you back online okay okay you don't it's not oh this is a it's just I just need this response from this person I just need this or do you know what it's a recording or whatever it is it's yeah. just you know a when mechanism that you've put in place yeah it, you know she described it as an emergency box so for different scenarios all right you have different ways of going okay. so it could be that you're in you know you're not in a place where you can get somebody to call you yeah you know so okay so what am I going to do in that situation to soothe myself how am I going to be able to do that so it's finding what works for you because it's so important if you can soothe yourself you can reduce the stress does chocolate help <laughs> could that be in the emergency box? <laughs> <laughs> it could, it could be, it could, could literally be, it could be. It's maybe. breaking that cycle. It's, it's that thought pattern because yeah. the taste buds will absolutely. Then the more senses you can involve, the better. So it could be that yeah, you have small, small blocks of chocolate maybe in there yeah. that just say "suck me." <laughs> oh no, actually, that's really sorry. Eat me. <laughs> I love it. Bad. No, it doesn't actually. You're absolutely right. Well, but yeah, I but, see what you mean. But, but that would be because I was just thinking of mindfulness. Because yeah. some of the sometimes when you're thinking of mindfulness, it's that when you it's that texture of the chocolate on your tongue. Um, how thinking, how's it feel? Thinking, texture bringing, again, just bringing your cortex back online. Mm -hmm. Okay, because that's the, going to be the bit that goes. Oh right, this is what's happening now. What can we do now? That that was then. What can we do now? understand you know and it just so that um it's making so it's changing the experience okay changing so the experience, changing yeah. experience distracting so, yourself from what you um or not, I, I, would you I, would, I would probably initially maybe yeah um but again it's that if we distract we're almost um letting it happen again some other time okay if you see what i mean it, it, it's that it's being compassionate. I think distraction is not very compassionate okay. to ourselves. And I think if we are more compassionate and going, right, this is what's happening, ground myself and then go, right, okay, was that was that really, well, as I perceived it, was I really in danger that time? No. But what was happening that was making me think that I was in danger? 
Mm. Okay, and be kind to ourselves, not being ashamed of ourselves that we've done that. Okay, just being being ashamed is what I felt actually. Yeah, and that's why I hid it. Yeah, obviously because I wouldn't want anyone to think, "What? Why are you so weak?" I don't want them to come across weak. And I thought, no, you're not never going to see this. You're never going to know about this because it's my thing. It's night time. I do it repeatedly to myself because it's my way of surviving. And crying obsessively and in a state because face covered, it's, you know, sitting on the floor, not on a chair. Mm. There was a certain position I had to take to do this, you know. It wasn't just go anywhere. It was in the same place, get my things ready, get my my Mm. blade ready, making sure it's clean. And I will sit down and start first one and the second one and the third one. Mm. And then I'll think, okay, I feel okay now. I can stop. So it could be like five, six, seven cuts. Maybe one, one, you know, one deep one. Can I go deeper than this? Starting to get obsessive about it as well at times. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Would you say then, uh, obviously I was a teenager. Mm. Uh, I was six, 17 when I did that. Would you say, is it more common in... The teenagers yeah and interesting that's another something that came up with this with the course is that um we're not for the development of we're not the brain doesn't develop properly you know, fully until we're about 25 oh really yeah and in, and in certain aspects doesn't develop till we're 40 so um, this is so true because <laughs> the person i am now is that it was not oh god no. Do not okay. do anything to the age of 25. <laughs> um, and you have to remember around your teenage years, you're going through a process called pruning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so up until that point, we are basically, our brains are just taking in so much information. We have so many different neural paths because so many, we're experiencing so many different things. Um, and during our teenage years, we go through a part where we go, right, do I need this pathway? Don't I need this pathway? So not only are you having hormonal changes you're having neurological changes at that time as well so it really isn't surprising that teenagers are like they are because they're going through like a metamorphosis almost um and yeah so all those things there's a lot of confusion uh, around that so you know i don't know how to self-soothe i don't if i've never been shown how to self-soothe if i don't know how to look after myself um i will find different ways of doing it um, so at that point, maybe that that was your way. So that was okay to do. And, and as you said, you know, you had your plan as to so this is how I'm going to do it. This is where I'm going to do it because this is what it feels that feels okay. Um, and whatever, whatever. I don't know what made you decide not to, or, or changed how. It was me coming over to the country, and my life just suddenly changed I felt much happier Um, I just didn't feel like I needed to do it it just stopped from from living there by myself in this not a dungeon but a house but it felt like it was uh, not a home and Mm. when I came back my brother and sisters were there my mum was there and even though I didn't have much relationship with them it still felt better than being on your own exactly there there was that relational touch and again we were talking about it last week so important that, that relationship so then what was happening for you maybe was there was a different pathway you know this this pathway feels a lot nicer than that pathway yeah. so well that that's that's not of any use to me so I'll drop that one because I'm getting my oxytocin my feel good from somewhere else from somewhere else from which somewhere. is what we all look for don't we yeah 
Yeah, I mean that's it. it you know, that's what they, they call it all sorts of different. You know, and actually now I see why I made such rational decisions, because then I met Keith, and within a month I got married to him. Because I, I wasn't, even though my parents said, "Wait, do you need to think? Who you, what you don't even know him?" And I was like, "No, no, this feels right. I'm doing it." You know, and I did, and I, I, I've no regrets there. I married him because we stayed mm. together for eighteen years, got two lovely kids. Mm. But it's my decision process now. I think about it. It was so frightening the way I made the decision so quick. Yeah. Without knowing anything about him, actually, not not much. We, we, mm. I knew he was a good person. He was my brother's friend. But the decision making process wasn't no thought process was in it. it. Wasn't is this right for me? Is a person right for me? I didn't look at that. I was more looking at just that means that we can start a life together. I mean, I never have to go back maybe to my old life. It was other things that must have gone through my mind. Must be, but that I don't feel that was the reason. But I feel like I was so desperate to like not go to that dark place absolutely and as you say you know it's a part of it's like maybe that our unconscious okay is working for us a lot Mm. of the time so a lot of what we're doing we're not realizing we're making those connections it's only later on that we can put you know we put things together and go oh oh, that's why I did it you know it's a combination of emotional physiological psychological all those reasons that come together um and yeah, that, that's that. So a lot of the time, we think we have power over our decisions. Well, we don't. But we don't yeah. really. We don't. You know, a lot of our decisions are made for us by ourselves, but unknown to ourselves. You know. Um, again, I, you know, I keep going back to sort of this danger. That's there. You know, that sort of keeping ourselves safe. A lot of that is unconscious and not putting ourselves in positions or reacting to things. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the classic, you know, that sort of anger. Why, 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 why am I suddenly so angry at this person? And well, mm-hmm. that's a bit over the top. That's that release. Your unconscious has released something there that maybe should have released somewhere else. But that's the only place I can do it safely, so I'm going to do it. Um, so yeah, so many times we think, oh, why, why did I do that? You know. But rather than beating ourselves up about, well, why do I do that? I was that was stupid. It'd be, yeah, why did I do that? Wouldn't it be nice to have that curiosity and go, yeah, I wonder where that came from. Why, why, why would I do that? And be gentle with ourselves because I think then we'd learn so much more. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's just, just that time to think about it. Yeah. And, rather and, than yeah, and so start calling yourself names and think, why are you being so stupid? Yeah. You're just being an idiot. But you're not. No. You just, this is, this is how you felt. Just it's take so for what it is happening and, and then see how you... Absolutely, 100%. We don't question why we suddenly feel happy. No, we don't. Do we? We enjoy it. And we don't call ourselves names. Stop being so silly and stop being so happy. That's (laughs) not right (laughs) behaviour. Yes, exactly. (laughs) We don't question that No, we don't. You're absolutely right. So in terms of parents that may detect that kids might be doing this, what is there like telltale signs? Because for me, I was alone. So I can't... Mm. I've nobody knew about it or... There was none of this, me and my mum having a conversation, why are you doing this, and I couldn't stop. I don't have anyone related to this incident. But in terms of any of my friends listening, or anyone who's listening, and they might think their kids are going through, or they've seen something, you know, how should they, um, what should they do? It's a, uh, yeah, that's a big question. Um, I mean, obviously things like changing behaviour, you know, as you said, pe- when people tend to do this, they tend to come away uh, they tend not tend not to want to be with people because they are ashamed of maybe what they're doing. Um, 
But one of the things I would say is that if you do know it's happening or you think it's happening, um, our first instinct is to try and stop it, okay? Um, and also it, it stresses us, it, it puts us in distress as well. And so it's quite difficult to, to help somebody when you are feeling distressed. Mm, you're absolutely right, okay. especially if it's your child. Especially if it's your child. Um, and also, if I, if I tell you to stop doing something that you actually get release from... It's highly likely I that's will. It's highly likely I won't do that. Um, what it's about is trying to put other actions in place so that it feels, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, I, If I can reduce the stress in a different way, then actually I won't need to increase my stress by self-harming. But if you take away my suppose you know what I perceive as my soothing technique at the moment then that's going to cause me even more, more stress, stress. Okay. okay so it's about understanding maybe why why it's happening you know and it is that stop doing it or don't do it um is our immediate reaction but maybe it's going why why can I help you what's what's happening for you um but as I say nine times out of ten probably parentally it's looking for somewhere outside okay so ask for some professional uh, help first for yourself i would say professional yeah. help yeah really important and especially um maybe somebody that has experience of working with that because it, as i say you don't also don't want the therapist to be in feeling distressed okay. about the situation um so places like there's yes youth information service okay uh, locally in milton Keynes. um places uh, samaritans um mind young minds mind. okay uh, there are places that you can go to and as a parent maybe talk about it as well yeah okay young minds they have a parental line parental line i think that's quite important up. actually the parental line yeah okay okay um as i say it's that knowing it's it's a yeah it's a symptom okay okay it's a symptom of being in distress rather than it's a problem okay yeah, it's it's not the problem to solve because if it, as you yeah. said when your circumstances the problem changed, was that yeah I I stopped you stopped yeah so and it's it, like just finding out what it is that yeah. is making what is the distress that around. was making me do that yeah why am I in distress what what is the distress and finding those other avenues to be able to 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 either self soothe or find somebody that can help you somebody who will be your point of contact your safe your safe place and there's lots of different forms of self-harm aren't they i mean the oh, one yes. i use was just cutting myself but i know i've heard of people pulling their hair yes yeah pulling their hair uh, and as we mentioned before alcohol um, drugs um, eating all these things that we feel we shouldn't be doing but actually make us feel good yeah uh, and i think maybe it's that you know if, if you think i don't really want to do this but I'm feeling better for it. Mm. It's that. So, so what is it doing? Well, it's relieving the stress. It, it's making me not want to think about what I what's happening. So, sort of running away from the problem. Yeah. Momentarily. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as I say, you know, we and we tend to shame ourselves for doing it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's it's not. It's just. It is a cry for help. It is a cry for. It just help. needs to be understood. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else that we haven't covered? you might think might be useful for our listeners um well really i suppose 
The other thing about wanting to to stop self-harming is also to realise that, um, and this goes back to the drama triangle maybe, is sometimes to see that we are in in a victim role um, and Mm. we don't want to, we're quite happy there that we're we're safe there. Um, So coming out or recovering from self-harm can be very hard. It can be a very hard thing to do. but it's finding somebody that wants to help you get to your goal and who might be a little bit tough at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, yeah, allied to, to helping you find those things that you can do. Because sometimes in a victim role, we feel we can't do it. We, we need other people to do it for us. But our strength and our recovery is going to come from that point where we go, I can do this. I can, I can, I can look after me um, and I can be doing this in the here and now and this is actually what's happening to me but that takes practice okay okay and again it's that right okay so that's all I need to do I should just go and do that if you don't have the learning if you don't have the knowledge about how to do that if you've never been taught how to self-soothe then how would you know how to do it so there's no shame in asking okay okay and I think that's really that's quite important to ask ask yeah yeah and that's I think that's why a lot of times people can stay in victim because they feel they should do. They oh, I should just be positive and I should just do this and I should I'll be fine. But I don't know how to. And then that comes to a halt. But it's that so who do I ask? And if I ask they're going to think I'm stupid because I don't know. No. No. Why would you know? It's like um she she says I don't know how to play the piano, okay? But I'm not suffering from piano deficiency disorder. I just don't know how to play the piano. If somebody taught me how to play the piano... Then I can play the piano. piano. You know, so I'm not, you know, bad or awful um, just because I'm self-harming. It's because maybe I'm not learning. There's something I don't know. So what I need to do is find out what I don't know and find somebody who can help me learn. And that's you know, that'll that'll reduce that cycle. That makes a lot of sense actually, because you know you're feeling something. It's it's, it's how are you going to deal with it? Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what I chose that path because I didn't know how to. No. I literally didn't. You didn't know how to, and you were being told don't do it. Yeah. No. Nobody. Nobody was going to listen to you. No. So if if nobody's going to listen to you, how do you find out how to do it? Especially as a young child. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lovely. Well, it's quite intense. Yeah, session, yeah, sorry. I <laughs> uh, hope um, uh, our listeners have, uh, I don't quite want to say enjoy this conversation, but uh, learn a few things, you know, yeah. because these are the things that people don't talk about. And I think I feel quite brave actually talking about this and I've definitely have, have a better understanding because it was one of those things. Why did you do it? Why did you do it? Why did you do it? Kept saying, I keep yeah. saying that to myself. Yeah. Um, and I don't blame anyone for it either. I just blame myself. I think we, you were just so stupid for doing that. I keep saying that as well. So now I understand why and why did I do it and why didn't I... And, and, and how I came out of it and the environment was different. So I, there was some, in my case, I guess, the whole geographical change made that change for me. But am I that person that if things go bad, would I go back to it? Or do I now understand how to understand myself why am I feeling those and do I need help 
I guess that's why I'm talking to you. And I think you, you're you giving me some coping mechanism almost. Yeah. And it's, it's very similar to um, postnatal depression and other things. It's that you don't know your feeling. And when you write in it, you feel like everything's dark and around you, all the doors are shut and no one can help you. And that you're the weirdest person on planet mm. Earth because everyone else is happy around you and you're not feeling that. So it's actually, there is other people. And until you put yourself in that situation, you start talking, mm. you understand actually you're not the only one, that everyone has a story behind them. It's okay to talk. Yeah. It's okay to share. Yeah. Uh, obviously with trusted people that you feel comfortable with. That's quite important. Otherwise you never open up. But women have... I have really good intuition. I know what I can, you know, you know the trust thing, mm. who you can talk to and who's going to. So, yeah. Um, that, guys, um, if you liked what you've heard, um, consider subscribing and um, drop a comment and tell us what you think about this conversation. And if there's any other topics that you'd like um, Sue to explore, um, then please let us know. Take care. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. If you'd like to discuss any other topics, email me at farah at bigcoachlittlecoach.com.